so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to the afternoon So that's my story heard round the world. And I do hope you won't think I'm too flip about mental illness. But if you do, I would say, as I do every week, that's my story, and that's how I share it, and that is what brought me to you today. So welcome, friends, to Consider Yourself Hugged, Episode 4, Today's Hug, Thoughts and Emotions, The Chicken or the Egg Dilemma. I am Dr. Tammy West, here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you closer to mental and emotional well-being. Today, I will share with you why you have the emotions you do, and then I'm going to give you five tips to move closer to that state of emotional well-being. Let's start off today with a story. Actually, it's my husband's story. If you follow me on Facebook, you've probably already seen it. If you follow him on Facebook, you've heard it because he actually shared it. I think it was on a Facebook Live. Um, funny thing, he when he told me this story, he said, Honey, I didn't tell you before. It's been about a week because I was afraid you would worry about me. So he travels every single week to a different city across the country. He sells hearing aids. And so he's in a different hotel, different place. And so he tells me this story about a dream that he had. So he went to bed. It was probably about 11 o'clock in a Holiday Inn. And he had a dream. And in this dream, he was in a conference or a meeting. Now, my husband in real life, he hates meetings. He used to, when he worked a regular job, he would have someone like page him to get out of the meeting. So this was a realistic dream. So he's in this in this meeting room. He's trying to find a way out. He wants to leave and he sees an exit. He walks out of the exit and he gets into the hallway and the light is so bright. And then he hears cha-chunk. And between the light and the cha-chunk, that is what woke him up. He was not dreaming. He was sleepwalking. In the Holiday Inn, in the hallway at 11 o'clock at night, in his tidy whities no glasses, no key, no clothes, no anything. Now, funny thing, I'm, I'm not proud of it, but he was worried, remember, that I would be concerned about him on the road. And I laughed my butt off. I almost fell out of the chair. So again, I'm not proud of that. I felt really bad. But it's such a great story to address your emotions. So we're going to use this story to actually talk about where they come from. Because the issue is, the, the issue is, the chicken or the egg is, okay, well, do I think and then I get upset and yell, for example, or do I yell and have the emotion and then think about it after? You can find theories that support either, really, that you think first and then you have an emotion and an action, or that you have an emotion and reaction first and then you think. So, and, and many combination of those. So you can find lots of theories out there, but you're listening to me. And so I'm going to share the one that I subscribe to. So I'm assuming this is the one you will love because you're here listening. Let's, let's talk about babies. Let's begin with that as far as where your emotions come from. You don't have to have a baby. We've all seen babies, right? And very shortly after babies are born, typically weeks, but sometimes with really excited parents, maybe even days, we start assigning emotions to these babies based on their faces, right? So if I see a baby and that baby is smiling, then I say that baby is, I'm expecting that you're talking, happy. Okay, and the actual emotion is called joy. 
This is what we call a basic emotion, a hardwired emotion. And the theory that I believe in says that there are six of them. They are located in the primitive part of your brain. They never change unless you have an injury or disease, something like that. They're always there and they're there for a reason. So I want to go through those six and then I'll come back to my husband. And again, I want to base this on babies and I want to tell you why I believe that you are genetically hardwired from birth to have these emotions. Okay, so let's say I'm holding this baby and this baby is smiling. Maybe I'm the caregiver, maybe I'm the parent. The baby smiles and what do I do? Again, I'm assuming you're talking with me out there in podcast world. I smile back, right? And when I smile back at that baby, what happens between us? We have a connection. It's the same thing as adults. We're hardwired with it. You smile, someone smiles. I know it might sound cheesy, the whole turn that frown upside down. Maybe some you work in an industry where you work, work with children and, and they tell you well, that might be the only smile you see all day. And it's true, it's so important, but I want you to understand that it's genetic. This is there for the human bonding so that we can grow close to one another. It's a very important emotion. So the first one is joy. Let's say I'm holding a baby and that baby is crying or that baby has the mouth turned down and we look at that baby and we say that baby is sad. So you might think, well, why would we be hardwired? with the emotion of sadness. Why is that helpful? That is what I call our compassion emotion. If I'm holding the baby, the baby is sad. It makes me want to help. It makes me feel my heartstrings are tugged. I want to do something. Same thing as an adult. Now, I am not saying you are responsible for taking care of everyone's sadness because we know you may have, you may have someone who's perpetually sad, which is a whole different, we're not going that deep today. But if you're human, then at least some of the time, sadness will tug on your heart's heartstrings. So this is the human race, let's help each other emotion. Third one, I'm holding the baby, the baby is screaming, or the baby's face is red, and the mouth is open, and the eyes are big, and I say that baby is mad. The emotion is anger. Okay, that's the one that gets a bad rap, by the way. So I'm going to have a little bit to say about that in just a few minutes. But anger is the emotion that lets us know something is wrong. Okay, and it needs to be fixed. So if that baby is screaming, I'm checking. Is there something in their diaper? Is there, what is wrong? Same thing as an adult. Anger means something, something's there that needs to be fixed. I know it's more than that down the road, but for now, I'm just talking about basic emotions. Number four, holding this, boy, this baby's having a lot of emotions, isn't it? Holding the baby, the baby has this gaping face, eyes wide open, mouth wide open. That baby, you can't, I'm doing it as if you're seeing my face. That baby might be scared. The emotion is fear. That is a protective emotion. You have a baby that looks afraid. You want to take care of that baby, protect that baby from whatever is is going on. Same thing as an adult. We've probably all watched that um, horror movie where the teenagers are in the house and there's something downstairs and they're going down there and you're sitting watching it going, no, don't go. They look afraid. You want to protect. So this is a protection one. Fifth one is very strange, 
and I'm not even going to try to make the face, but the fifth one is the emotion called disgust. Now I'm making the face, but you know that look of maybe someone drank bad milk and they have that look. So again, I'm holding the baby. Maybe I give that baby a bottle or some food and they make this, he or she makes this terrible face. Now it could be that you just gave them some new food and this baby doesn't understand. But it could also be that something is wrong and you are going to want, this is more of a physical internal protection, protecting us from anything that might um, go into our bodies internally. Same thing as adults. Back to the milk. If you drink that milk, do not look at somebody with that disgust face and say, here, taste this. They should, don't taste it, okay? Teenagers, don't go in the basement. Don't drink the disgusting milk. And the sixth one, this is another one that I can't really explain, but if I'm holding the baby and the baby is just sort of staring and looking, that is an emotion that is your baseline emotion. It's called interest. So this is kind of like your resting state until something happens to elicit one of the other five. Why is it hardwired? Well, when the baby stares at the mobile over the bed or at the pattern in your shirt or at the new toy, they are learning something. Same thing as an adult. You you may be sitting in the airport, people watching. You may be sitting in a class just watching and listening. This is what allows us to take in new information and grow. So that's six. Did you get those? Joy, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, and interest. Now let's go back to the husband. So he gets out into the hallway. Okay, are you envisioning it? Um, And let me pause for a minute. If you listen to episode one, you may know that we have a family of six living in our house, my husband's family. They fled the fires in California. So I am recording in a little room that's set up as temporary housing. I don't have an office. So I, I think you might be hearing doors shutting. So that's what that is. I I'm just doing... Look, we just have to move forward, don't we? So I wanted to address that because I think it's happened a few times. All right, husband in the hallway. Tidy whities no key, no glasses, no shoes, nothing. His eyes pop open and the, the first emotion that he feels, I hope you probably can say it, is fear, right? Bam, doesn't know anything except where am I fear? That's a basic emotion. It happens the way that I believe, immediately without thought. But then, then, this is what happens. So we're all hardwired with basic emotions from babyhood. But then we learn and we grow and we start to think and we start to process the world around us. Now we develop what are called complex emotions. So he's he's awake now and now his mind kicks in. <gasps> Where am I? What has happened? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I don't have any clothes on. What if someone sees me? What if it's a family? What if they call the police? How am I going to get the key? Right? Now it goes from fear to a more complex emotion that's like fear, but it's terror. And then one that's like um, uh, fear, but on a different uh, on a different level, it's embarrassment. Right? He has these emotions that are almost overwhelming, because he's thinking. Now, I'm not saying that we should not think because it's very important, but I want you to recognize the difference between basic emotions that I believe happen immediately without thought, and they're always going to be there. That part of your brain doesn't change, but the thinking part of your brain does change. 
It's what leads you to react the way you do to situations in life. So let me let me finish up for a moment with the basics because I wanted to give you a couple of pieces of advice. And then let me say a couple words about the complex and I'll give you the five tips. One, Two things about the basic emotions. The first is the way that you think about your level of emotions. For example, the emotion of anger I said I would come back to. So anger gets a bad rap, right? You never have an interest management class or a joy management class, but you do see anger management classes. What I want to do is encourage you. If you, for example, are hardwired with high levels of anger. Now, I know that anger is also complex, but the, but the hardwired basic anger, if you're hardwired for it, I want you to use that in a different way. What do I mean by that? I have a friend I used to work with. Her name is Karen McCoy. So woohoo, Karen, if you're listening. Karen and I worked together and traveled together for, for a few years. And I remember one day we went to a grocery store. We were in the parking lot. I did not see anything happen, but apparently a man had made an inappropriate comment to me. But all I heard was Karen say, excuse me, you need to leave now. She stood up for me. Anger is used or could be used to correct things that are wrong. So if you're hardwired with a higher level of anger, you might be the person to affect change. I hope that makes sense. Look at your anger differently. Now, none of us with any level of any of these emotions can use them as excuses for poor behavior. What I mean is you can't say, well, I'm just angry. That's just how I am. People know it if it's hurting people. You can't say, well, I'm just, I'm just a really sad person. I'm always sad if it's affecting your life and other people's lives. Because most of what we deal with on a day-to-day basis is complex. Now, one more thing about, about basic. Not only looking at the way you are and how you judge yourself and how you use your emotions, but also how you judge others. Because what we tend to do is we tend to look at our own level of emotions And we believe that that's the level everyone else should have. So if I have a certain level of anger, so should you. If I'm happy at a certain level, you should be that way too. If you're less happy than me, he's always grouchy. She's always grumpy. If you're more happy than me, oh, they are so annoying. So we tend to look at our own level and we judge other people. To give you an example, I'm kind of afraid for you to Google this, but that basic motion of disgust, we are all wired differently for all the emotions, but the disgust one is a really good one to use. If you Google the word trypophobia, I'm afraid for you to do it, but it's T-R-Y-P-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. I will put this in the show notes. If I showed you a picture, for those of you who deal with higher levels of disgust, if I showed you a picture of a beehive, you might be grossed out, not because of the bees, but because of the cluster of holes. If you have a high level of disgust, you might look at seed pods that have holes with seeds coming out. Like me even saying it makes my skin crawl. So if I had you in a room that I do in seminars and I ask 40 people, I put the picture of the beehive and I say, who, who does this like makes your skin crawl? I might have two people. We're all wired differently. Some of you would be afraid to to fear to drive over a bridge. Some of you would not. We're all so different. So I want us to be cautious about judging others based on ours. I hope that makes sense. 
because, well, partly because it just gets you more emotional well-being when you don't do that judging thing, but also because our emotions are very complex. So coming back to the complex emotions, simply being in touch with your thoughts. We'll have more sessions on this later, but it is the thought that causes the emotions to become very complex. So fear can be anything from worry all the way up to terror. That's why we call them complex emotions. You've probably never looked at a baby and said, oh, that baby is so embarrassed. No, because it's not basic. There's not a face for it. It's a complex emotion. It has thoughts along with it. So what do we do with this? I want to give you five quick tips that actually I've already shared with you in some way, but I want to organize them now for you. Number one, assess your own level of emotionality. Look at those five or six emotions. Uh, What are your levels of joy, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, interest? Look at your parents. Be grateful for some of the the traits that you have and the levels that you have of joy, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, and interest. I look at my mother, who I'll have more to say about in future sessions, but my mother, we had a very difficult relationship. I shared with you in session one that she struggled with mental illness her whole life. But I'm grateful that I got compassion from her. On the flip side, I will have to work my whole life on issues of anxiety and I'll have to work on that. I have higher levels of fear, but it's worth it. So that's number one. Assess your level. Be grateful for what's good about it. Work on what's difficult. Number two, ask yourself, who am I? Um, If you listen to episode number two, I talked about identity. When I got out of the mental hospital, one of the things they said about me was that I was fearful and angry. Well, I don't want that as an identity. That's not okay with me. I don't want to just go around and say that's who I am. That's not an identity that I want, so I want to pick a different one. So that's number two. Ask yourself, who am I? What identity do I want in this emotional world? Number three, don't let your mind be a mystery to you. Become a master thinker. This goes back to the complex emotions. If a car cuts you off in traffic, you may have the basic emotion of fear because you almost got hit, but then it quickly becomes anger about that person is is an idiot they don't care about anyone but themselves they're and your mind just goes crazy but you don't realize some of the thoughts that go behind it it might be that something that happened at work or at home don't let your thoughts be there without you knowing that they are there become a master thinker in looking at your own thoughts Number four, consider mature reactions. In the emotional world, when something is happening in your life, if, if it's an anger issue, if it's a sadness issue, just consider mature reactions. Um, I shared a story once in a seminar for high schoolers, and these were some struggling high schoolers. And it was about something that had happened in traffic. And I said, well, what would you have done? And one of them said, well, there'd be a smackdown right there. I'd be stopping and pulling that person out of the car. That's probably not a mature reaction. And you might be thinking, well, I wouldn't do that. No, but would you flip fingers in the air? Would you do the face? Would you? And I'm not sure that's always a mature reaction. It's more complicated than that, but I think you see what I'm saying. And finally, number five, there are so many words we can use. Use the right emotional term. So going back to 
um, let's say joy. Um, that's the basic emotion, right? But there are lots of words associated with joy. We know this by looking at the emojis you can put on your phone. You can just be a little bit, um, maybe you're, you're just happy. Maybe you're ecstatic. Okay, maybe you're LOL, you know, rolling on the floor. If it's anger, maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're livid. Use the right term. If you're someone going around all the time saying, I'm furious, then when something happens that should really make you furious, your body gets very confused about how to process information if we are always using the same word. Well, we did it. I think we came in under our, you know, I promised you a long time ago I wanted to stay under 20 minutes of content. I'm kind of a time maniac. So that is our time for today. Um, What we've done this particular session is I shared with you where your emotions come from. First, they are basic. They're in the brainstem. They never change. But then as you start to grow and learn, you start to think in the thinking, the cerebrum, the thinking part of your brain. And that part does change. And we can work on that. Then I shared the five tips with you to get close to emotional well-being. I hope you have learned something today. You can find the show notes I promised for you at my website, TammyWest.com, and you can also get information there if you'd like for me to speak at your next event. The monthly $50 Amazon card giveaway that I've promised from this point forward will come from drawing from the comments on the blog. And remembering our mental and emotional well-being goal, I hope that you will renew your thoughts daily, adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and others, and make positive mental and emotional choices on a daily basis. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.